Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Greetings and welcome to the Speedway Show. Do you remember who my guest speaker is? I will give you a hint. He was one of my first speakers when the show began, and so he is a returning guest. Uh, Our first show was called Journey into Islam, which was very popular and received very uh, positive comments from listeners. The show was based on his previously published book, see here's another hint, Reprisal, which you can actually, you can find a link to that book on the posting for the show on www.spiway.com, an excellent book about a really unusual topic, really. And uh, so now, and then he came back, and we did another show called, uh, I think it was called um, uh, Money Sharing Yours, Mine, Ours. And there he talked about um, financial planning and the the tips, the traps, the ins and outs and and things that one should know while they're thinking through their financial plan for the future. If you still don't know who he is, his name is Colin T. Nelson. He is an author. He is a um, um, financial advisor, and he's also an assistant public defender in Hennepin County, which includes the city of Minneapolis. As you can imagine, after working over 30 years in courtrooms every day, he has hundreds of stories to tell, and I'm hoping that actually he has hundreds more books that he's going to share with us. Colin has published several books, and uh, so one was Reprisal. Another one was, I think it was called, When Can I Tell My Boss I Quit? Um, Did I get that right, Colin? Yes, you did. Thank you. Yeah. It was well, you know. It's, I haven't looked at it since we 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 did the show and I read the book, but it kind of has a memorable title. <laughs> Colin has now published yet another work of fiction, and it is called Fallout, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Colin, welcome to the Speedway Show. Well, thank you, Speedway. I thank you for for having me. You know, I read Reprisal and absolutely loved it. And as a matter of fact, I am in a book club with um, a bunch of lawyers and judges in Hennepin County. And uh, so I was first introduced to you and to the book through the book club. And it was a phenomenal book. Contrast for us the similarities and differences between Reprisal and Fallout. Well, they're both um, suspense uh, fiction novels. Um, they're page turners where people get caught up in them and uh, you know can't put them down. At least that's what I hope. But the, it, there's one main character that is in both books. However, in the first book, uh, the young woman who's the hero is a public defender. In the What's second her name? book, her name is Zira, mm-hmm. and in the second book, Zira is a prosecutor. She works in Hennepin County, which is where I've worked, and the stories are set in Minneapolis. The first book involved an embedded foreign terrorist or extremist. The second book, Fallout, is an American uh, extremist uh, 
you know, right from Minnesota, right next door, a neighbor. <laughs> um, so that that is a contrast. In the first one, the terrorist is an Islamic extremist. In the second book, it's a Christian extremist. And in the second book, the plot is to smuggle in weapons or explosives through Canada. And the villain is going to blow up nuclear power plants in order to bring on Armageddon. Of course, why? <laughs> why did you use? So first we have the foreign terrorists. Now we've got the American terrorists. Why the contrast? Was there a statement you wanted to make there? Yes, I, I did, Speedway. I, I don't. First, in the first book, one of the reasons I chose. Um, the Islamic terrorist uh, extremist is because that contrasted with the main character, Zira. She is a young woman who is an American citizen, born and raised here. Um, she's progressive, a feminist, but she also happens to be Muslim. And I base that character on several middle-class, um, educated uh, Muslim friends that I have. And I was always disturbed by the amount of um, discrimination that the media and a lot of people give toward American uh, Muslims. So I wanted to show that contrast between the extremist minority of Muslims in the world and the particularly the American Muslims who are, you know, for the most part just like you and me. But in the second book, I thought, well, <laughs> there are also Christians who are extremists uh, too, and. So that's why I use use that. Is is I don't want people to think I'm picking on <laughs> on Islam. There are certainly extreme nuts on the Christian side too. Um, but I'm kind of fascinated with uh, extremists. You know why they do it and what motivates them. And uh, who knows for sure. I'm not. I don't have all the answers, obviously. But but that intrigues me. And of course, it's scary. <laughs> And so that creates a suspenseful vehicle for a story. I think the thing that I really enjoyed the most about your books is that it provides such an insight into the Islamic religion mm-hmm. that I had never seen portrayed anywhere else. And because, you know, you you learn about Zira's life, her trials, her triumphs, you know, her parents who are forever trying to set her up with, you know, a nice man. And um, it, there is a, a view into the Islamic culture and the Islamic religion that is really quite, um, what's the word? It's 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 tender, it is sympathetic, it is um, more realistic than what you see portrayed on TV because mm-hmm. every time you hear... Anything about Islam on TV, it's it's extreme, it's radical, it's fanatical, right. and you know there's just a whole host of negative things associated right. with this, you know, this entire religion, belief system, all the Islamic people, and everybody who even almost looks like they might be Islamic must be a terrorist. And yeah. so, what inspired you to go deeper? and to come back with that view that you realize, you know, Zara is just like it's just like me. As a as a woman I could identify with her. Mm-hmm. As a woman from Zimbabwe even I could identify with, you know, some aspects of her culture, like her parents always trying to set her up and, and being so concerned that she get married as if it's sort of, you know, 
the be-all and the end-all. My parents yeah. weren't like that, but there's certainly a lot of people in my culture that feel that way. So what makes sure. you want to take that view? Because I'm, I'm guessing, I'm wondering also if you if you worried that it might not be that popular. Uh, both good questions. The uh, the idea behind it, Speedway, started when I was having a cup of coffee with one of my uh, friends uh, who's, uh, well, she's a young woman, a lawyer. Uh, actually, now she's in the United States Air Force. But uh, I knew her when she was working in the courtrooms, and we got chatting, and she told me that whenever she flies on an airplane, American airplane airlines, um, she can never go to the bathroom. I said, I, I couldn't, what do you mean? And she, she's very Semitic looking. She's a pretty woman, small, but she's very Semitic looking. And I said, what? what? Um, yeah. She is worried if she gets up and walks back to a bathroom that some crazy person on the airplane may harm her. And she said, if I, if I absolutely have to go to the bathroom, I go to the back end of the plane. I never walk forward toward the cockpit. And I was just astounded that on an American really? airline that somebody today w- would feel that way. Now, maybe she's incorrect in her fears, but they're real to her. And that got me thinking about uh, the tolerance that I think we don't have and the misunderstanding most Americans uh, have toward American Muslims, many of whom are second, third generation their kids are on soccer teams. They're employed in professional positions. Um, it, it that that's what what motivated me to start. I was concerned, um, and I'll tell you another little story too. But I was concerned that that might be just too much for the average reader, because the media has been so insistent on skewing the view of Islam in the world. Um, I talked to a lot of author friends of mine, and they said, go for it. Um, From a marketing standpoint, although that isn't necessarily what drove me, but it has made a difference, my my novels are different because of that. The the hair, I guess we call them heroes now, whether they're female or male. My hero is a little different than, you know, most others. But there was one, or there still is, one bookstore in Minneapolis who said, Ah, uh, we just don't think your book is appropriate for us. So, really? one out of hundreds that have actually said no. Uh, so that was. It, you're right. There is a certain amount of people who read the book and say, you know, I just don't believe it. I don't like it. But I tried to be as truthful as I could. I'm going to hold and, on to uh, my bigotry. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and you it, can't make me change it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but that was part of what came out of both the books is is an effort. I guess if there's a theme, if there's a message that I mean, novels don't necessarily need to tell that the message, but mine do, and that is a message of tolerance. Yes. Um, and that's the other re- reason, perhaps, in the second book that I used a Christian extremist, because these goofy extreme people aren't limited to any particular religion or race or geographic location. They can be around us, un- unfortunately. <laughs> well, and you know, it's 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 a skewed view that we have as human beings, as Americans, because, you know, think about the fact that when 
a Muslim extremist does something terrible, you know, we we sort of view that as being representative of all Muslims, sure, right? Sure, sure. But when a skinhead does something, or when, you know, the Ku Klux Klan did all the Klan did, you know, nobody views that as representative of all Christians or representative right. Right. of of all bald white men. And yeah. so, and yeah, so I it, of it that. is a, You're right. Yeah, it's a very skewed view. And so we look at, you know, in, in, in American society, and I would guess that this kind of goes, you know, in different societies you find it's true, that we tend to view the sins of, of, of white men as insular and related just to that guy. You know, Bernie Madoff was not representative of every wealthy white man when he went yeah. to prison for destroying all of those people's dreams and, you know, doing all that he did. But, you know, you have one guy, one guy who is Egyptian, who gets caught with, well, actually, I don't think he was Egyptian. He might have been Nigerian, who gets caught with, you know, bombs in his shoes. And suddenly all black men must yeah. surely be yeah. <laughs> criminals. Right. Well, in, in the second book, Fallout, the the villain is named Jeremy Brown, and he can trace his ancestors, ancestors back to uh, John Brown, who was the abolitionist in 1864, no, 1859, who raided Harper's Ferry, the federal arsenal. And I did that purposely because John Brown was a terrorist. He was Christian. He was he was an abolitionist and a Christian, and and he thought he was going to start an uprising of American slaves that would overthrow the system of slavery, and he was going to arm them by uh, getting guns at the federal arsenal. So there's a long history uh, of terrorism in this country, which goes back to white Christians. Uh, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, in so I book, just talked about John Brown being this great hero because he was an abolitionist. Yeah, well, he it, was to describe how well, he did it. <laughs> Yeah, and what was interesting is a lot of the money he raised was from northern abolitionists who said, boy, great cause, but you know what? We don't want to get our hands dirty. Don't tell us what you're doing. Um, But they suspected that he was going to do some terrorist acts. But they didn't want to get their hands dirty, so they just gave him the money and said, go do it. um, So there's a long tradition of, of terrorism stemming from our own country from American citizens. Of course, they're extreme. Thank goodness it's rare. <laughs> uh, but it's there. We are not immune to you know those kinds of extremists in our midst. Well, I have to confess, though, when you tell me the history of John Brown and his plan, that's probably the one terrorist I know of who actually had a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and unfortunately, the first person who was killed, he he had a number of, uh, he had about 20, 22 uh, cohorts with him that staged this raid, including some freed blacks. One person was doing it so he could get back to the South to find his wife and children and free them. Unfortunately, he was the first one who was shot and killed during the raid. Um, No, he had the... you know, for Northerners, he and for you know moral purposes, he had the best of intentions, uh, but he was not above 
using terrorism to achieve his ends. So, yeah. Now, I must, I, I have to confess that I thought the publication of Fallout was quick on the heels of reprisal for a very busy man with a family and a full-time job, which I know you have. <laughs> when and how do you find the discipline to write? Well, I think that's the key word is discipline. The um, the the time between the books is actually almost two years. Um, some people are, some novelists are cranking out a book a year. I don't know, the quality is always the best, but... But it is difficult. I think the key is discipline. I tr- when I'm when I've started the first draft of a book and I'm working on it, I try to get at it five or six days a week. I don't have any. I wish I had a a, a block of time that I could say, okay, from nine to twelve I'll write every day. I I, I can't do that. But what I try to do is get back to the book. Uh, maybe I can only write a paragraph or a page. Maybe I can write five pages. I do whatever I can, uh, but I think that the key to it is just getting back to it. I feel this compulsion. And then as you get into the story, I get excited by it, and that draws me along to the point that sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with a plot idea or a character idea, and <laughs> I'll get up, chat a few notes, and try to get back to sleep. And um, But it is difficult. I, th- I think the key is just being aware that you that you want to get the story done, get it out there. And so you you pay attention to it every day or almost every day. In Fallout, um, our heroine, Zira Hassan, is now a prosecutor, as you said, whereas in Reprisal she was a defense attorney. Why did you make her switch sides? Well, just for change, for one thing. Um, You know, make it perhaps more interesting because... The culture and the working patterns of a defense lawyer are much different than a prosecutor. Uh, People sometimes think, well, it's like a lawyer representing Ford Motor Company, and now they go over and represent General Motors. And the cultures, the, 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 the work pattern, there are many, many differences between the two sides. Um, so that was one reason, just to give the readers an education about the inner workings of a prosecutor's office. And then secondly, um, there have been many novels written about, oh, the sole defense lawyer fighting against injustice, and that those are wonderful <laughs> stories, but yeah. it's been done a lot. Very few books are written about a prosecutor. We hate prosecutors. Um, we do. They're always trying to we put need people both. in jail. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we need both. Some need to be put in jail. From one um, defense lawyer to another, yes, we do not yes. like them. <laughs> I recognize that. There, well, and the other thing about the prosecutor from a novelist standpoint, the defense lawyer becomes involved in a criminal case after most of the investigation has been completed. Now, the defense sure. lawyer obviously can investigate further, but they're reacting to what a prosecutor has already done. So by switching her to the prosecutor's side, I can get Zira involved in more of the investigation with the police and so on. And from a story, a novel uh, point of view, um, I have more latitude. In my third book, she is still a prosecutor. I'm working on a draft. Well, I finished the first draft, and she's a prosecutor in the third book. It hasn't been published yet. Yeah. 
when I was younger, if I picked up a book to read, I always skipped over the prologue and the introduction <laughs> with the idea, <laughs> you know where I'm going, right, that I was saving time and simply getting to the meat of the book. You know, just get me to chapter one. But in Fallout, I, I actually was, was headed for chapter one when I was arrested by the prologue. And, you know, it's a riveting start to the book. And, uh, Colin, I wonder if you can just read for us, I hope you have it in front of you, the first paragraph sure. of the prologue. Sure. I I use prologues. I'll tell you why in just a minute here. But um, All right, I'm reading from uh, Fallout. Here's the first chapter. Marco knew if they caught him, they'd kill him. He had been hidden behind locked doors in the basement of a church, the nerve center of the operation geared up for the end. The preparations had taken years of networking across the country, infiltration of the plants to discover the security codes and learn the layouts and the secret consultations with engineers to decide where to place the charges. It had been a struggle for all of them. I use a prologue. I think they're helpful in the kind of books I I write because, as you pointed out, they're kind of a teaser to get people interested, um, get them wondering what what's going on. Why was this man killed? Why was he being chased? What secret did he have that they were trying to stop him? Um, particularly in a mystery or a suspense novel like mine, it it a prologue will hint at what's going to happen later. Of course, then my job is to tie that up by the end of the story and let the reader know why, in Fallout, for instance, why Marco is being chased and they eventually Mm -hmm. shoot him and they kill him in the prologue. But your comments have also caused me to think maybe in my third book I should just start with chapter one. Because like you, very often I will skip the introduction. But in in mystery and suspense (laughs) books, a prologue is used quite often. They're very short, maybe a page. I think in Fallout, it's less than three pages. So, you know, most prologues are quite short, but it's kind of like a teaser. Um, You know, in films, they they have trailers that, that get you interested and hooked. Yes, it's like a trailer because the prologue then becomes sort of the the view into what's happened that's led up to the rest of the story. And so you really don't get the full context for the story if you just start at Chapter 1. Yes, right. So you almost, you know, for people like me, I I happen to (laughs) start with the first page of the prologue expecting, you know, this is dedicated to my blah, 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 blah. And so then I see, ooh, somebody's hiding. Ooh, somebody's going to get killed. Wow. (laughs) And so I keep reading. So right. I, you almost you almost want to 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 put a a sticker on the front of the book to say read the prologue. It's really well, I, good. I did think of that in my next book. Now I I do have a prologue, but it, it, I'm you know before it goes into a publication, I'm seriously thinking of just making that the first chapter, uh, because I suspect a lot of people think like you did, well, it isn't that important, and they skip it, and unfortunately, it's you could skip the prologue and still get 99.9% of the story, but the prologues are kind of fun. As I said, it's a teaser. It, yeah. it hints at 
what's going to happen. And you don't want to give away too much to the reader, obviously, to get them to turn the next page to chapter one. Well, it was it was scintillating, to be sure, and it, it definitely made me want to keep reading. So for all those people who might be now thinking, wow, gee, that sounded interesting, I've got to go get this book, <laughs> do you keep up that pace throughout the book? Well, I try to. In a suspense novel, you, suspense books or thrillers, as they're sometimes called, is part of the mystery genre in writing. But a mystery, like um, uh, a mystery, is is more the question that the author is trying to answer is who done it? Who usually it's a murder? Who committed the murder? And so you don't find that out until the end. And that's what keeps people turning pages. They wonder who did it. In a suspense novel, you know who the villain is early on in the story. The question becomes, can he or she get away with it? Can they be stopped? And that's what keeps people turning the pages is, wow, is they, are they really going to be able to bring these explosives in? Are they really going to be able to blow up nuclear power plants? So the villain is identified. You know who done it. It's can they get away with it. I had a... Um, one reader came up to me uh, shortly after the publication of Fallout, my second book, and said that he got so excited he skipped the last few chapters to get to the end <laughs> to find out what happened. And that, to me, is is a wonderful compliment because part of the reason I write is to entertain people, is to let people unplug from their you know their daily troubles and struggles and, and, and enjoy something and and be so caught up in this world, this fictional world, that they can't put the book down. That's that's ultimately well, what I'm trying to do. I completely get that, but you know, part of part of what I really delight in when I read your books is the journey and the tension of not knowing and wondering yeah. is part of the joy of reading the book. Sure. <laughs> right. And so I intentionally make sure I don't get to the to the end of the book because I want to enjoy every single, you know, suspenseful step of oh my yeah. gosh, what happens yeah. next? <laughs> One of the the sort of side themes, I don't know if that's what you call them or or you know, sort of side stories that I found entirely entertaining in reprisal was that Zira Hassan was a single woman and her parents were forever trying to set her up with what they considered to be a suitable Muslim man. And, of course, the one that they introduced her to that she liked the most turns out to be a terrorist. How does she fare romantically in Fallout? Because, you know, part of what I want listeners to know, because most of the people who are listening to this show have not read this book, and probably this is their first exposure, but there's more to it than just, you know, a, a tale of you know terrorism and 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 there there are other really yeah. delightful yeah. pieces of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's turning out to be a series, which means I'm keeping the same main character Zira even into the third book, which I'm now working on. People love her, and so uh, I've kept her as the main character. In the second book, I should back up. In the first book, <clears throat> excuse me, she is reacquainted with a law school friend of hers named Paul Schmidt, who is an FBI agent, uh, is a white Christian man. That's in the first book, and they work together and reacquaint themselves. In the second book, um, they start to work together closer, 
they are beginning to fall in love. Uh, they uh, spend a lot more time together, and in fact, he he saves her life. And then in the third book, the one I'm working on now, uh, they are engaged. And uh, but that's going to be strained because he's Christian and she's Muslim, and her parents are very opposed to her marrying out of her faith. And okay. so that is part of her struggle in the third book, is she realizes this is the man for me, but he's Christian. And, and you know, in any mixed religious marriage, that's always a struggle. How, you know, how do we raise the kids? What, uh, how do we handle the extended families on both sides? And, and so on. So as these books progress, she's getting closer to him, and then finally in the third book, she's going to be engaged to him. And then fourth, I don't know, maybe she should get married. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Well, it'll be interesting. I I recently did a show called uh, Tips and Traps of Interracial Marriage, yes. where I talked to an interracial couple, and it got a lot of interest from my other friends who are in interracial marriage. And actually, I I, I have rather a surprising number of black girlfriends who are married to white men, who then mm-hmm. sent me their notes and said, oh, I'm definitely going to listen to this. And um, I, I I was a little bit surprised because, you know, when you think about your friends and, you know, couple friends, you're not so much thinking about their different races as much as you're thinking, yeah. well, that's just so-and-so and so-and-so, right? So that was kind of an interesting thing. And the thing that we came to, or at least the thing that I have come to in my own sort of interracial dating situations is that actually the issue is not so much the color as it is the culture. And so yeah, when it's, I agree with whether you. it's, yeah. you know, culture being one country versus another, culture being one religion versus another, that is really the crux of what you have to figure out how you're going to yes. make work yes. if it's really, you know, it sort of if if it's really a big component, which it almost always is, so it'll be very interesting to see how Sarah deals with all of those different things, and and given how her parents feel, I think that's just right. part of the fun, <laughs> right, right, of seeing how things go. Because I think there'll be a lot of people who can identify with that yeah. kind of situation. So now when we did the show Journey into Islam, we talked a lot about the research you did into that religion and all the things that you learned. What kind of research did you have to do for Fallout? Not as much, uh, Speedway, because I had done um, quite a bit of it for the first book. I'm certainly no expert on Islam, but I have, I've read several books, you know, pro and con, people who who think Islam is a dangerous uh, culture and a religion, um, and then, of course, people on the other side. Uh, I told you I've met, I know many middle-class American uh, Muslims that I've talked to about their lives and so on. So for the second book, I didn't have to do much more research on Islam. And in fact, I I toned it down just a little bit in the second book, partly because I'm assuming if people have read the first they have that kind of groundwork, and now we'll move into the second. I don't need to spend quite as much time talking about Islam and what their beliefs and practices are. On the other hand, if somebody were to pick up the second book without reading the first, they'd get a taste. Um, you know, Zira's constantly missing her her five prayer times a day, which, you know, is not, she's not going to hell because of that. But, but it, it reminds the reader that 
this is part of uh, Islamic religion and culture, that they stop what they're doing at five times a day and thank God for uh, for whatever, for everything. So it was a little easier on the second book to, because I didn't have to do as much research, at least on Islam. I researched other things, but not so much the religion. Well, to the and and by the way, just for listeners' benefit, typically on the Speedway Show, I keep shows available within the past eleven or twelve months. And so, Journey into Islam was actually old enough that I had taken it down because we did it back in July of two thousand eleven. But because of this show, it will be, uh, it actually is, back on and it's live, so you can, you'll be able to see the link to it, and you'll be able to listen to it, because, you know, not having talked about it so much, I think it's probably mm-hmm. of interest for people who will, who will go and listen, and the thing that yes. I'll tell you, Colin, and you may not know this, but one of the, the interesting things about that particular show was that you know, I was I was curious about the response it would get because of the topic. Mm-hmm. There were many, and this is just based on how they self-identified, right? So there there seemed to be, overall, there were many very positive comments. But there were even more positive comments from people who either had Muslim names or self-identified themselves as Muslims, who were saying, thank you that somebody finally said something positive about my religion. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel good. Yeah, it was was very well received. And there were, you know, you had your one or two crazies who said silly things, but I did not (laughs) post those. <laughs> but but well, the overwhelming you. response was very positive, and I didn't post all the comments just because there were hundreds and hundreds of them. But right. I did want to to make that point for you to know that you know it was it was almost like you'd finally given voice to a people who have long wished that somebody would say something that was even remotely accurate. About yeah. their religion, and 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 I would venture to say most Muslims are not um, of the mindset that you know life is you know some sort of negative you know jihad in the context that the right. word jihad is used, right. and you know we're all out to to kill all the Americans. I mean, most Muslims don't feel that way; they don't think that. And so this was finally the place where they could be heard as saying something other than that. Oh, I'm happy for that, uh, and thank you for telling me. That makes mm-hmm. me feel good. I tr- I tried to, as I said earlier in in this show, a novel doesn't have to carry a message. Although mine, it turned out it did, and the message is tolerance. Um, you know, Muslims, American Muslims, are maybe one of the newer minority groups to be in the U.S., and we've seen over centuries, really, hundreds of years in this country, as new groups come in. There's always a certain amount of uh, uh, discrimination or or fear of the new group, and then they become assimilated to some degree, and you know people move on to the next new group. And um, <laughs> <laughs> part of it's human nature, you know. You can't necessarily blame humans. That's part of human nature. But I but I hope that readers will will learn something and become more tolerant. 
particularly in fallout, I, I did a lot of research on international trafficking networks that traffic in illegal goods, mostly children, but weapons and drugs and so on. And I personally have pledged to donate 5% of the sales of fallout to anti-trafficking groups uh, here in the country. Um, So I'm hoping readers will be motivated after reading fallout um, to maybe do something about that. And that's fantastic. If if I can maybe help in in some little way, that that's wonderful. And then if they enjoy and and are entertained by the book, wow, that's great. Even better. That's right. Yes. Yes. To uh, to the listener who is thinking about buying this book, and by the way, uh, listeners, you can pick up a copy of the book on the posting for the show on www.spway.com. And uh, it's also available through Amazon, is it not? It's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, on uh, Kindle, Nook. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most bookstores anywhere in the country could get it if they aren't stocking it. Yeah. And so the link on the Spiro Show is to the Amazon um, store, so you can feel free to pick up a copy, and you really should. But to the listener who's thinking about buying this book, what would put them over the edge into actually doing it? What can readers look forward to experiencing with this story that we haven't already talked about, perhaps? Well, we kind of have, if you don't mind. I I won't repeat myself at length, but uh, it's an entertaining story. It's a page-turner that they'll, I think they'll just have fun with. And that's the main purpose, really, is to give people a, a, a riveting story. So they, they'll be entertained. I also, as a reader, and therefore as a writer, like to educate my readers about things they might not know. So, for instance, in Fallout, I educate them about these international trafficking networks and why they are so difficult for law enforcement to stop um, I also educate them about some technical details, which is interesting to learn. For instance, uh, very quickly, uh, if any of us, any of the readers have a smartphone, uh, and the ability of experts to retrieve data from those smartphones is unbelievable. Even if you delete something from your smartphone, two years later, it is possible, not always, but it is possible to retrieve just about any data from a smartphone. And the smartphone in the story becomes a a key clue to where the villains are. So I spend a lot of time telling people, teaching people, how that technological process works. Um, And then finally, as as we talked about, I hope that people will be more tolerant, uh, open their minds a little bit at least about different religions, um, and then... If they feel motivated, I give them, uh, I think I give them three different uh, groups that they might want to explore contributing money to. These are anti-trafficking groups, uh, giving money to or working for or becoming more knowledgeable about. You know, and if that leads to a, a few readers taking action to combat trafficking networks, great. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, Colin Nelson, thank you for joining me on the Speedway Show today. <clears throat> thank you, Speedway, as always. Listeners, you can visit this posting on www.speedway.com. 
to purchase your copy of the book, Fallout, and you will also be able to purchase your copy of the book, Reprisal, which was the first one in this series. There you will also find links to Colin's website, his contact information, his blog, and all things Colin Nelson. So, um, and he's Colin T. Nelson, by the way. So until next week, this is BUA saying go in peace and uh, check out the book Fallout, and I hope you enjoy it every bit as much as I have. And tune in next week when we will have another episode of The Speedway Show. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.